0: Thank mm-hmm. you. What's going on, everybody? It's Macklin again, and I think we're back for episode eight. So thank you for joining me. In today's episode, I wanted to talk about something that I haven't really... I haven't blogged about it. I haven't really told too many people about it. Because I think I'm still processing it. Still processing the fact that I was the one that did this thing. But yeah, let's just jump straight into it. I wanted to talk about my... Ultra marathons now if you're not familiar with endurance running an ultra marathon is any distance that's longer than a marathon so we're normally looking at um, set distances usually I can kind of just go through them quickly usually you see 50 kilometers which is a little bit longer than a marathon oh yeah by the way maybe I should clarify a marathon is 26.2 miles and I think 42.1 kilometers not really sure but it's definitely like 42 kilometers and some change. So, an, uh, an ultra marathon is anything that's longer than that. And there are some set distances, but, you know, there are some races that don't have, uh, that have distances that are not common. So, there's 50 kilometers, there's a 50 miler, which is longer. Then there's, I want to say, 80 kilometers. And then, which is like, I don't know, you, you guys are going to have to convert this. I don't want to uh, embarrass myself with my conversion skills. Um, and then there's, you know, somewhere around 80 miles and then there's 100 miles and then there's th- the distances just continue to grow, um, to grow. And these races are getting longer and longer. So how did I get into ultra marathon running? You might ask, like, how did I even come across the idea? I was listening to a podcast called The Rich Roll Podcast. I think Rich Roll is really fantastic. I I like his his podcast, his guests, the way that he thinks, the topics that he covers. I really think that he's a very interesting guy and extremely eloquent. And he wrote a book called Finding Ultra. And... I can't remember if in that specific episode that I was listening to, he mentioned the book or if I just Googled him and then found the book, I don't remember, but he wrote this book and I bought it and I was still living in my old, um, my old apartment in Berlin and I, I really wasn't in a, in a good place, you know, just to put that bluntly. It was 2021, my life felt like in a lot of ways it was slipping out of my control I I wasn't eating well. I was drinking a lot. Um I was going on dates, but they were <laughs> Yeah, they I was just engaging in very self de- self-destructive behavior and did not really feel like my life was on track. Now, as you can probably remember, um during that time it was a lot of people were uncertain about what the future was going to bring, and so it was difficult for people to to plan anything ahead. It felt like the only time that you could really guarantee was that in the summertime things would be open, but yeah, you didn't know how the winter was going to look. So I read this book. It must've been like August or September. And by this time, because the gyms were closed, I was, or they, you know, were closing again. I don't remember. Um, I'd started to run a lot more. And I've always been a runner. Like, you know, I was always an athletic kid. Athletic, meaning that I enjoyed exercise. Not necessarily athletic, like I looked like an athlete when I exercised. And, you know, running was something that I had done in high school. And then I, and I did it for sport. And then after graduating from high school, I started to run as therapy. And I think I really do believe that running was a major reason that I brought myself outside of my comfort zone and started to take other like risks in other areas of my life. Um yeah, I love running. I I really do. But anyway, um I was always a casual runner though. And then I read this book and it just completely changes the way that I look at running. So in the book he talks about his own journey out of, um, you know, alcoholism and, and, you know, kind of in a same, in a similar position to where I was in terms of, you know, making poor food choices, um, spiraling out of control. I mean, his, his story was much different from mine, but it rang true to me because I also felt like I was out of control and he just gave me this hope that I could change, That all I had to do was kind of challenge the way that I had been living my life up to that point. All I had to do was just make a decision like, I'm going to change. And that's exactly what I did. I read the book. Let's just say it was September. So I read the book and I decide I'm going to learn more about these ultramarathons. They seem really intense and crazy. And then I start watching videos on YouTube. And before I know it, I'm getting tapped into like all of the main people in ultra marathoning and ultra marathon running. Um, you know, I'm, like I'm just starting to see all of these videos like from Courtney Dewalter and Dean Karnazes and um, who else? Brandon Werschel, Risch- Werschel. I actually don't know how to say his name. I'm like barely remembering it in my head. And uh, and Nick Bear, for instance. And you know, there are just all these people that are in this like extremely tightly knit space and you just start to like see like the same faces in these videos. And you know, they're professionals so a lot of the time, you know, at least like with Courtney and, and Dean, they're coming in like first place. <laughs> In these crazy races that are like 200 miles, 250 miles, you have David Goggins as well in that space. So, you know, these are heavy hitters and I just become obsessed with ultramarathoning. I I just, I hadn't even run one and I was like, oh my God, I need to run one of these races. I hadn't even run a marathon. And so I had this, I have like a very distinct memory. Um, So let's say that it was September when I read this book when I read this book, it was September 2021. Earlier that year, in January, I had run my first half marathon. And how that came to be was at the end of December 2020, I was going through... Sorry, I'm trying to think. Okay, yes. I think my... Yes, I'm correct. Okay, sorry. (laughs) It's really difficult to remember like the past few years, but in december 2020 i started to run um because like the gyms are closed that's like i guess when i really got into it and there was a girl that i met on hinge and i mean she was i thought that she was really beautiful um she <laughs> we agreed that we would have dinner together and so she was like yeah like let's let's have food but we couldn't go out to a restaurant so I don't know. I think I suggested or she suggested that I cook. So it was like Friday night. It had a really long, I had had a really long day and I procrastinated coming up with a recipe. I couldn't believe like 5.30 is rolling around. She's supposed to get there at 6.30 and I couldn't believe that I hadn't even thought of like what I was going to make her yet. I hadn't even prepped anything. I hadn't bought my groceries. So I go to the grocery store and I'm in a, I'm in a rush. I have no idea what I'm going to grab. And I just start picking up random stuff and putting it into the cart. And just like I check out and I run home and I start cooking. And what do I make? I make lentils and chicken. Now (laughs) in hindsight, it felt like I was cooking for an actor that was trying to cut weight for a, uh, a role in a Marvel movie. It didn't really feel like I was cooking a romantic dinner on a date. Okay. But hindsight's 2020 at the time I thought, you know, this is a really safe option. Well, I fucked dinner up so badly. It's bland. And I think the chicken's overcooked and we're sitting on my couch and we're sitting at opposite ends of my couch. I don't even have a fucking table. And You know, she's, she's being very polite, but it's just super uncomfortable. The entire date was super uncomfortable. And she eventually leaves and I, you know, just roll my eyes. I'm like, okay, there's no chance that that's going to go anywhere. And then over the next couple of days, you know, she doesn't really text back and yeah, eventually, you know, she does text and she says, hey, that was fun, but but I don't want it to be romantic. I was like, all right, that's fine. I started to run longer distances as a way of dealing with the emotions that I was going through at that time, not because of her, but just like feeling that my life was spiraling out of control and just all of these different things kind of coming to a head. And I ran my first half marathon. And then I think this, I I think I ran another half marathon the next day. And before, before like, you know, January 2021 was over, I think i had run like three or four, maybe five half marathons. Okay. So that's the context. Now let's just call it seven or eight months later. At this point, I'm kind of like, you know, casually running. I'm not training for a new thing and then I start watching the ultra marathon videos and then I realize that I want to run an ultra marathon and when I decide that I'm going to do something I I do it like ask anybody I just got super obsessed with it and I I got a coach and Uh, you know, he, he started to kind of give me, um, pointers and he answered all my questions about gear. And I told him like the race that I wanted to run was in March. And now it's like, let's just say it's September. And he's like, okay, so that means you have October, November, December, January, February. That's how, that's how many months you have to to train. (laughs) How, and he, he was like, tell me about this race. So I told him it was, it's a 77 mile race. It's in Grand Canaria in the Canary Islands. And it's a mountain race. <laughs> so it's not like I'm running on the road. It's a trail race, but it requires you to climb mountains up and down, up and down, and up and down. And you go across the entire island, from the north all the way to the south. And the race, you have 30 hours to finish the race. But there's no nap time. There's no like, you know, unroll your sleeping bag, take a nap under a tree, that sort of thing. The race starts at midnight. And you run, you have until 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. the next day. So not that morning at 5 a.m., but the day after that at 5 a.m. It was fucking crazy that I wanted to do this, but I just could not stop myself. I was just thinking about this race all the time. I was so excited. And so he said to me, he was like, look, I think you can do it. We got to focus on your training. And I also think you know it might be worth it to ch- to try i don't know if he suggested or if i suggested but he was like he might want to try running um a marathon before this so i was like okay i was going to web summit in lisbon portugal and there was a marathon that was happening in porto <laughs> that same weekend so yeah, I, I figured out a, a way to make it work. I stayed I stayed at the accommodation that my company provided me and then that Friday night I got I think it was that Friday night or that Saturday morning, I got onto a bus. It must have been that Friday morning actually. I got onto a bus to Porto and when I ended up in when I got to Porto, I dropped off my stuff at my Airbnb and I had my marathon. And my buddy Zach came which was a really fantastic experience for me. And yeah, we, we, um, we hung out and then the next morning I had my race and he cheered me on. And then, yeah, I, I'll go into the details of that race. Well, maybe I can do it now. Actually, I don't want to have to drag it out for another episode, but yeah, that race was the, the, the marathon in Porto was beautiful. The city itself is gorgeous. I really liked the energy. I enjoyed the track itself. And it was beautiful weather. And I would say I did pretty pretty well actually. Like I was running like seven minute miles, seven and a half minute miles for about five or six miles of it um, towards the middle. Because I started running next to a guy And what's cool about running is like, you can run next to somebody for a really long time and really like them without actually speaking. It's cool. Um, you know, most of it has to do with just you're exercising. So you're kind of getting a high already. And then, you know, the other person is running next to you and they're kind of doing you a favor by, you know, staying at the same pace and not going ahead of you. And, it's really nice. And, um, I was running next to this guy for a long time and eventually around mile, I don't know, 23, 22, I lost all the gas in my tank. And I really like, I mean, this guy and I were, we were cruising and then he was gone (laughs) and I was just walking. And, and eventually I did um, I mean, I kept walking the direction of the finish and when I, and I probably walked like three miles. And when I started, um, to realize that I was very close to the finish line, all the energy that I had the entire time, you know, was made known to me. And I just started booking it as fast as I could, uh, towards the finish line. And if you didn't know, I mean, if you were just there watching, you would have probably thought that I was this like... <laughs> guy who was holding back the entire time and was just waiting for the final stretch but in reality i had nothing left in the tank i thought and i was on the verge of dying and there was this like family it was like a man in his 60s with his wife who was in her 60s i presume and their son who was in his 30s and he's like hey are you okay why don't you run with us why don't you run with us and i like tried and i literally couldn't even jog i was just so out of gas and I felt bad, but I was like, no, you keep going. And then I finished the race. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, that wasn't ideal. You know, that I wasn't able to jog the entire thing, that I had to walk at a certain point. But I was, in typical Macklin fashion, I was still very positive about the entire thing. And, um, you know, I, I was, I'd already signed up for the ultra marathon. In Grand Canaria, I think it was on march fourth twenty twenty two so last march and um I just kept training uh having coaching calls with Christian, uh, who was my running coach, and eventually the um yeah, I mean eventually December passes. Oh, so what was cool about uh, last year was I actually went home for Christmas, and my mom lives in the mountains, and I was supposed to go home for like two or three weeks, but I wanted to bring my dog back, and there was a lot of paperwork that needed to be done, and there were a lot of fuck-ups like internally at the vet's office that actually got in the way of us being able to bring my dog uh, when I wanted her to be um, brought to Germany, so Yeah. Three weeks turned into like a month and a half of me being home. And uh, during that time, what I was doing was I was waking up at like four o'clock in the morning, I was starting work, like with my team in Berlin, and then, you know, sometime around two o'clock, two in the afternoon, or like sometimes as late as like 6 p.m., I would go for a run through the mountains and my mom lives upstate New York and it was winter. So it was snowing everywhere. And my mom has this trail behind her house. It's called the rail trail, I believe. And it used to be a, um, it used to be like where the train went. So there used to be like actual rails on the ground, um, like train tracks, but they got rid of them and made it into like a nature trail. And there were times like there were days where as part of my regimen, I needed to go for like a three or a four hour run and I would just go for these long ass runs in the middle of the night and I would have my headlamp on and there'd be snow falling in my face and I'd be like completely locked in. And there were times when I couldn't even run on that trail because the snow was up to my, almost up to my knees And there was even one day where I I had to run on the street because the snow was so heavy on the grass and all in that area. And that was just crazy shit. I mean, that like really blew my mind. So I was prepared by the time... I mean, I was as prepared as I think I was going to get by the time that my ultra came up. Now, what's cool about the ultras (laughs) are that or is that you... You have like a very strict, you have to have a very strict nutrition um, regimen, not only when you're training, but when you're actually running an ultra. Now, I might butcher this because, yeah, I might get the the times mixed up, but I actually think that you, so you need to be very careful about your sodium levels when you're running ultra marathons because you're losing a lot of water you're actually losing a lot of sweat so you're losing a lot of sodium and the other thing is that you you don't want to reach a point where you don't have glycogen I think it's glycogen in your blood so you don't have you you don't want to reach a point where you are depleted of fuel and that's the reason that a lot of runners will eat fast-acting sugar basically just simple carbs or simple sugars um, to keep their energy levels up throughout the race because once you get to a point where you're you actually bonk, that's what it's called. Bonking is like what happened to me during the marathon. It's very difficult to get back into a place where you'll where you'll be able to finish the race. I mean you can imagine, right? Like even if you have five five hours left, imagine five hours after bonking, it's crazy shit. So it's really psychological. And, you know, during the race I had my my watch set where every 30 minutes I would take a salt tablet. it's literally just a salt pill, and then every 45 minutes, I would eat something and oh man, let me just let me just give you the overview of this race, okay? So I get to Grand Canaria. <laughs> I get to Grand Canaria that week, and I'm I think I'm I think it's like three days before the race I get there. And all I'm doing is just like hanging out and relaxing. I think I took time off of work and I'm eating like I'm eating paella and black rice, which is rice with squid ink. And that's like how I'm spending my days up to the race, like leading up to the race. And then my friend, another friend Um, he was on a, on a different Spanish Island. He actually came to visit me and, you know, and and he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll come, I'll support you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, dude, of course, that'd be amazing. You can stay in my Airbnb. I'm not going to be there for two nights. And he was like, okay, yeah, yeah, that'd be really cool. So he comes and meets me. And then the day of the race is like Friday, but I think it's Friday. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's Friday at midnight. So, we have the entire day of Friday to hang out. I'm taking it super easy. I meditate. I'm just like relaxing. And then I took a nap at some point, you know, for a couple hours. I have all my gear laid out. I have all my snacks laid out. I literally have like dozens of these like little packets with like syrups in them. They're they're called gels, but it's really just sugar. <laughs> And I have dozens of them and I have these drop bags and a drop bag is like a backpack that you can pick up at a checkpoint in the race. And my drop bag, I only had one in this race. My drop bag had an extra pair of shoes just in case something had happened to mine or if mine were wet or something like that. So the race starts on the beach, like directly where I'm staying in my Airbnb It's like literally a two-minute walk. So I didn't want to get sick during the race. Like I didn't want to like catch a cold or something. So what I did was I, this is like, let's just call this like 11 o'clock, 11 p.m. I decide, oh, I want to grab some hand sanitizer. So my buddy's like, yeah, if you want, I think I have some. I could probably find some. I was like, "No, nah, no, nah, let's just go to the store and I'll try to find some." I'm I'm wearing like my full outfit, whatever. Um I see like where everybody is waiting for the race and I'm just trying to find hand sanitizer. I've already stretched. I've already like I'm already like really dialed in and very excited, but I want to find hand sanitizer so I have it on me so that when I'm eating because I have to eat every 45 minutes with my hands. I just don't want my hands to be dirty and I don't want to get COVID. That was pretty much the motivation. Well, I go to about like three or four convenience stores and none of them have hand sanitizer. I can't even fucking believe it. And he's finally like, hey, why don't we just go back to the um, Airbnb? I can probably find the hand sanitizer. So we go back to the Airbnb. He gives me the hand sanitizer. I look at my watch. It's like 11.52. I have eight minutes to get to the fucking start point of this race. And I'm freaking out. (laughs) Well, not really. I'm really good at being late to things. So when I show up to this race, it's pretty much like just it starts on the beach. So there are like hundreds of runners on the beach. Everybody has their headlamps on. You know, people are stretching. And I have to walk to the back (laughs) um, because there's, you know like there there are barriers on the sides right to keep people kind of like in some kind of uniform fashion so i have to walk all the way to the back of this race and i'm the last person on the beach like as i'm showing up they're like counting down you know to to get everybody hype and when they get to zero that's when the race starts <laughs> So they're on like, you know, eight or something. And I'm just like, kind of like shuffling to the back and I get to the back and whatever. And then the whistle blows and we're off and we're just running and it's midnight and my headlamp is on and I have, I have my running pants on and I have my, my hydration vest and I have all my pockets are lined with like sweets. Well, not sweets, really just these gels. And I have my salt pills and I have my water bottles and, you know, I'm checking my watch and and we're off it's so fucking cool i feel like i'm in a youtube video like one of the youtube videos that i'd watched and i'm just i'm literally just the last person i'm looking ahead of me and all i see are the back the the red light so there's like a the headlamp is in the front and then there's supposed to be a red light on the back of every runner you know for safety And all I see are these red lights in front of me. There's nobody behind me. So I'm like, okay, this is going to be a long fucking race. And I just took my time. I just, I didn't speed up at all. I just, you know, I was passing people and they were like cheering me on and stuff. And, you know, there was like a little bit of pressure, I would say, to try to catch up with everybody. But I just took my time. I had had my, um, my running sticks as well which is such a cool feeling and and I was just taking my time and for the first two and a half or three hours of the race you're just running on flat land I mean some of its beach and then some of its street and then eventually you climb like a mountain um, like a mountain road but it's still concrete or asphalt and it's probably not until like three and a half or four hours that you actually reach like the wilderness And it's so stark. Like there's a huge difference between, you know, being on the streets and seeing cars and having people cheer. And then all of a sudden it's like four o'clock in the morning and it's just dead quiet and you can hear, you know, animals scurrying. But for the most part, all I was doing was listening to music and, you know, I had Tycho, which is one of my favorite artists. And I was just really loving it. It was so nice. Um, It was just so cool. I felt like I was going on an adventure. And so yeah, I ran until I mean I ran throughout the entire night and then there were just the weather just got crazy uh in the in the early morning. So what's cool about the island is that there's these microclimates. So in some places it's super dry, in other places it's like torrential downpour. And, you know, sometime around 6 o'clock in the morning, it's just pouring rain. And it's super dangerous because we're trying to, like, climb mountains. And, you know, people are, like, falling. And, I mean, they're not, like, getting hurt, but they're, like, falling down. And they're sliding. And people can't get traction. And they have to, like, you know, do all of these um, roundabout movements. You know, zigzagging rather than getting, you know, rather than going straight up in a line. And, yeah, I... I think it was probably around 11 o'clock in the morning. So at this point I'd been running for like 11 hours. I get to an aid station, which is like, you know, where they have like the snacks and stuff. They have food, um, probably like every three hours or so. And I get to an aid station and the guy, like one of the attendants there is, is closing the aid station as I'm, as I'm eating. And I'm like, Hey, um, like, am I late? And he's like, yeah, you <laughs> You don't have a lot of time to get to the next aid station. He's like, you have like, I don't know. Let's just say that it's going to take you, I mean, in this hypothetical situation, let's say that it was like two hours. He's like, you have, it's going to take you two hours and you have two hours to get there. And if you get there after that, you're not going to be able to continue the race. So I suggest that you just like leave now and you try to get there as fast as you can. So i'm panicking and i i had almost at that point i'd already almost fallen off of a fucking cliff that was crazy as well i was on the phone (laughs) i mean yeah typical right i'm in sales and i was on the fucking phone but i was on the phone and uh there was like a a girl that i had met at a dinner party and she's just a friend um just like a nice girl and she was like hey i'll give you a call just like motivate you at some point and i called her and as i'm talking to her i slip and i'm i'm probably hundreds of feet above the ground i'm on a fucking cliff and it's a cliff that i have to navigate in a way where i have to like go down the mountain a little bit and then kind of do like a horseshoe and it's like kind of a spiral where you're just like going down and then you Get into another path and that brings you up again and I'm like navigating down and I slip and I om- I like fell on my ass and i I could have fallen off the fucking side of this mountain and died, but I did not thank God so anyway, um when I get to the aid station, I'm you know already kind of like panicking because <laughs> I had almost you know it's just been in like a crazy couple hours at that point and he's like, yeah, you don't have much time so I just like hustle and I finally do get to the next aid station. And everything is good, and um, eventually I reach like i don't know maybe it's around like five or six o'clock four or five four or five o'clock in the evening. I reached this small town, and I had been running with two people, one was like a woman from Finland, another was a an Italian guy and um, when I got to the aid station. I needed to go number two. So I, I mean, you know, normally you just go in the woods while you're running and stuff. It's pretty cool. Um, don't judge me. Well, I found out that there was no toilet at the aid station and I was kind of panicking. And then someone that I talked to in the town was like, actually there is a toilet. It's like a public bathroom. And I was like, okay, where is it? And I like went there. And when I came back, I couldn't find the Finnish lady. I could only find the Italian guy. And the Italian guy was like, all right, I guess we just go. I guess we just go. And I was like, okay, let's do it. And we're not even really running at this point because in this town, it's like a really long road that that leads to the mountains. In the town, people that like the runners were just walking. And so I figured, okay, we must have like made really good time. And this must be the part of the race where like people just take it a little bit easy and then they like speed up again. So we're taking it easy for like 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. And finally, I I asked the, these like runners that were walking ahead of us. I was like, hey, um, how much longer until like how long do we have until the next checkpoint? And I found out that they weren't running the race anymore. They had already forfeited. And they said, well, the guy that I was asking uh, spoke English and he was like, yeah, there's no way that you're going to make it to the next checkpoint. We already, we already gave up. And, um, and it was like his eighth time or seventh time, something ridiculous running the race. So I was like, what? Wait, you're done? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, how long do I have? And he's like, I don't know, man. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And I just say to the guy, his name was Pico. I say, Pico, let's go, man. And, and I just start running and he's running after me. And there's a mountain that we have to climb. Um, you know, the cool thing about these races is like you're literally climbing mountains and you have your sticks with you and, you know, you're wearing your uh, trail running shoes, which are really good for climbing mountains. And it's not like mountaineering, but it's more like, like you're going up a trail and there is some actual climbing involved. But it's not like you have to wear a harness or anything like that. Well, anyway, Pico is pretty far behind me and uh, I had to leave him because he he was just not able to keep up. And I was like, I'm sorry, man, but like, I just got to go. I don't think I apologize. I think I just ran. Sorry, Pico. And um, I'm, I'm at the top of this mountain and I just have so much energy And I know that the finish line or uh, that the checkpoint rather is coming up and I'm just sprinting as fast as I can. Now, mind you, it's like six o'clock, maybe seven o'clock at night. And I still have at least eight to 12 hours left of this race. Let's just say I have at least eight hours left, maybe 10. And, um, I'm just running as fast as I possibly can, and I finally reach a point where I can see the checkpoint, and I sprint to the checkpoint, and I'm just fully expecting them to say that I'm disqualified because I've missed the the deadline to get there, but I didn't. I actually made it, and I'm sobbing. I'm so happy. I'm just crying, I'm a mess. That's where my drop bag was as well. So that's like where I could have gotten my shoes. But what do I do? I just keep going because I'm just so afraid that I'm going to miss the next checkpoint that I don't stop. I don't grab my bag. I don't change my shoes, my socks, nothing. And so I, I keep running and at some point, you know, it gets dark and I have to like run down this mountain again it's really a lot of running up and down mountains and i have my headlamp on and whatever and i'm on the phone with my friend who then became my girlfriend she was also my coworker. <laughs> uh i'm on the phone with her and you know she's motivating me and we're at that point we had like hung out a few times romantically but we were still just friends and you know, she's like looking at the map because I have a GPS tracker, all the race, all all the runners do. And she's like, if you just keep going the next checkpoint, you'll get there in no time. And I'm starting to hallucinate now because now it's been. So at that point, let's say that it's like around, I don't know. 10 p.m. or so she's like you only have like seven or eight hours left like you're gonna be you're gonna get through this and I'm fucking hallucinating I'm like seeing stuff that's not there it's not like I'm seeing like it's not like I believe anything that I'm seeing but if I stare at like a rock or a leaf or something on the ground it moves and all this weird shit happens and like I'm just popping salt pills and eating snacks and you know downing my water and um and so I get to what I thought was the last checkpoint in the race, or it was the last checkpoint in the race. I get to the last checkpoint, and I'm on the phone with my uh, with my friend, who's my future girlfriend, but then also future ex-girlfriend. <laughs> and, and I'm on the phone with her, and she's trying to explain what the rest of the race is going to look like from that checkpoint. And because I'm hallucinating kind of just out of it, I imagine that all that's left in this race is that we have to cross a symbolic bridge and that it's just a flat bridge. And when I get to the other side of the bridge, the race is over. That's what I understood. So I see the aid station. And when I get to the aid station, Pico, that guy that I had left behind who was disqualified is there. And he's like, hey, it's you. I'm like, hey, Pico, what's going on, man? And he's like, I'm here. I'm going to finish the race with you. And I thought that he was just there to finish the race with me as like a gesture of goodwill of honor of respect of like what it means to be masculine man that that was my impression and so i don't even get any i i I just walk past the aid station i don't refill my water i don't refill my snacks i just go And, and we're just running next to each other and very quickly i realize that i am completely wrong about what this what the remainder of this race is There's still two and a half hours or so. I mean, I didn't know that at the time, but I'm starting to put two and two together and realizing that the end of the race is not as close as I thought. And the last part of this race, it's such psychological fucking warfare. The last part of this race is flat land, but it's, I guess it used to be like a riverbed. And there are all of these rocks that are like three quarters the length of my foot. And circular and so they're extremely hard to run on and they're unforgiving and if you like step the wrong way you almost eat shit and there's like a lot of toe stubbing and it's just really sketchy and it hurts so badly um running on like the last part of the race for like two hours and i'm out of water and now i'm starting to get super thirsty my kidneys are burning and I know that the end of the race is coming up, but like, it still doesn't feel like it's close enough. And Pico, I ask him if I can have some water and he's such a good guy. He like graciously gives me some water. And yeah, eventually, uh, I just wanted to take off and I take off for like the last 20 minutes of the race. I'm just running as fast as I can. And Pico's, you know, not able to keep up. And the thing about these races, is like everybody has to run their own race because just these distances are way too long. Uh, and for psychological purposes, like you, if you get into a groove, you just kind of have to go. And um, I had to leave Pico behind and I felt so bad because I knew that he was just running the race symbolically to help like to finish the race with me, even though he was disqualified. So I get to the end of the race. There's a video of me finishing the race. The minute that I cross the finish line, I'm like so excited. The minute I cross the finish line, I stop running, and there's a guy who's like the, you know, the announcer speaking in Spanish, and he he reads my name and my um my race number, I guess. And I just high five him, and then I'm done with the race. And I'm just eating this amazing home-cooked or like I don't know if it's home-cooked, but this amazing like all of these like traditional spanish meals i just have it all like thrown into onto a plate it's like beans and like you know meat and all this other stuff and pico uh finishes the race like probably like 45 minutes later or 40 minutes later or whatever and he has a medal on and i'm thinking to myself why does he have a medal on he was disqualified turns out he wasn't disqualified so, I'm just an asshole, <laughs> and I thought that he wasn't he was only running the race for my benefit. That's how fucking egotistical I was at the end of the race, thinking that I don't know, but yeah, it was an insane experience, and you know, I had to wait like thirty five minutes to to an hour for a taxi. It's like I finished the race at five o'clock in the morning, uh so I ran it for i mean, I think it was probably actually six o'clock in the morning. All I know is that I ran the race. It took me like 29 to 30 hours and there were no cars on the road when I was done. And I had to get all the way to the North side of the Island, which is like a 45 minute cab ride. And finally I do get a cab. um, But I had to like sit down on the grass and wait forever. And I'm just like fading in and out of consciousness. And I finally get home to the Airbnb. And when I turn on the light, my buddy is up. And he's like sitting up in the bed. And I noticed that the light is on in the bathroom because it's like a frosted glass door. And I'm like, dude, I'm back. And he's like, hey, man, you made it. And then the door to the bathroom opens and there's this random girl in the bathroom. And I'm like, we literally have a studio, just so you're aware. It's like one room, there's a bed, and there's a tiny fucking couch next to the bed. And um, he's like, yeah, what's, he's like, oh man, it's crazy. We had, we had, we went out for drinks tonight, blah, blah, blah. And like, uh, she's going to spend the night if that's okay. He doesn't even ask if that's okay. He's like, she's going to spend the night. And he's already in the bed. And so I'm thinking, and he has no shirt on and he's in underwear. And so I'm just thinking to myself, where am I going to sleep? Like there's a couch that is like a loveseat. like a two seater. And I I start thinking about it and I just get super angry because I'm the one that's paid for the Airbnb and he was really only going to come to support me. And when I get out of the bathroom, you know, immediately like my, the high that I had from finishing that race is kind of like dwindling because I'm just so mad that I've been, I feel like I've been taken advantage of. And I come out of the bathroom and I'm like, dude, you're fucking kidding me, Right. And he's like, what well, What are you saying? What's going on? Why are you so upset? I'm like, who the fuck is this random girl in in the bed of the Airbnb that I booked? Like, I've just been running for 30 hours. <laughs> I'm soaking wet still. You know, like my shoes are soaking wet. I'm like, they're covered in mud. Like I'm covered in mud. I have like scabs on my body. I have like chafing. I have, you know, and There's just a random girl in the Airbnb and she's like just chatting casually with me as though like we're old friends and I'm like yo you're just you're fucking joking and there's no way that you're staying here man. And He's like what? I'm like dude get your fucking shit get out of here and I just like go off and like I'm not an angry person and I don't lose my temper often. And I wasn't even like angry in the sense that like I was like seeing red or like going to blow a fuse. I was standing up for myself and I was doing what I knew I needed to do in that moment to not feel like I was being taken advantage of. And I just like told him straight up, I was like, don't ever fucking talk to me again. This is just the most unacceptable shit that I've ever (laughs) seen. I feel like I'm being pranked right now that I can't even sleep in my bed that I paid for because you and this random girl have been having sex, obviously in this bed. Like the blankets are all messed up. He has no shirt on, no pants on. She's like in the bathroom. Like they must've just had sex and I'm not going to sleep on this. Like, you know, couch next to them. (laughs) Like the whole thing was just super fucked up. So that was how I, that was how I finished the race. Uh, kicked them out. (laughs) And then I took all the sheets off and I like slept on the bed without uh, any of the sheets except maybe like the fitted sheet, I think. And yeah, it it was just such a crazy experience. And then after that race, so that was a 77 miler. After that race, I realized I'm not done with this shit yet. And I signed up for another ultra marathon. In for June, and it was a 100 miles, and this time it was across a mountain range on a Norwegian island, like right off the coast of Norway, all the way in the north, where it's sunny for 24 hours a day in the summertime, and I'll, I'll tell that story at another point, because that definitely deserves its own story, but the reason that I share this with you guys is that it's a fucking crazy story and I love it I love that that actually happened but it also teaches a very important lesson and you know this is just a common theme that you'll hear in life which is if you don't use it you lose it now I think that actually has to do with sex I don't really know I kind of feel like I'm a little bit out of the loop on that one but I really believe that like if you don't Continue to flex a muscle. I'm not talking about your penis, you sicko. If you don't continue to flex a muscle, you will lose it very quickly. And the muscle that I I lost the ability to flex was my discomfort muscle, which I definitely was able to flex as a result of running that ultra marathon and, you know, in the marathon and then signing up for the 100 miler as well. And I'll tell you the outcome of that other race in the next podcast, maybe. But it doesn't even feel like that was me. That's the crazy thing. That's what's so interesting about this life that I live. Is like I ran 77 miles without sleeping. I climbed dozens of like, I just like I climbed every mountain on this island pretty much from the north all the way down to the south. I didn't sleep. I was eating every like 45 minutes and you know, I experienced crazy weather. I saw many people quit because they couldn't continue. They just didn't have it in them. And I finished this race and you know, I finished it because I was very lucky to have the people that I could call, especially my ex-girlfriend who was just my friend then. And, and I had you know, my manager at work, who's like one of my best friends, he, he like recorded this uh, really motivational voice message for me. And, you know, all my friends were cheering me on and sending me text messages and, you know, telling me how, how great of a job I was doing. You know, I was so lucky. I'm so lucky that I have these people in my life who helped me through this. But it's crazy that even less than a year later, it's like it never happened. And the lesson there is just, you know, if you're, committed to living a life of stoicism and and you know putting in the time and the energy and doing the uncommon work you can't lay your foot off the gas and i think that's why a lot of people they they look at entrepreneurs and they think that you know entrepreneurs are never going to be satisfied nothing is ever enough and i i was raised you know very i was raised by my mom and my grandma And, you know, my grandma's philosophy is that money is the root of all evil and, you know, politics is evil and, and greed is at the root of, of all of these things. And, you know, my grandma is very pious, you know, she's a very, and so is my mom, just very good people who, you know, they don't ask for anything that they're not willing to do themselves. They're not entitled. They work very hard. They don't ask for too much. And it was kind of conflicting for me, you know, for a really long time because I have aspirations to be a millionaire or a billionaire, a billionaire, if I'm being honest with you guys. Those are my aspirations. Okay, I said it. I have aspirations. They're really, really big. And for a very long time, I struggled because I didn't want to. I just didn't feel like I was able to achieve that knowing that they, not not my mom, my mom is an entrepreneur, but like just my grandma, you know, she just has like a different mindset about this kind of stuff. And she would never like tell me that I was on the wrong path or anything like that. I just, it just felt like I was doing something wrong. And she would always say, you know, look at these, look at these businessmen that get like, you know, on the news, look at these businessmen that, that get caught, you know, they're trying to steal or they're trying to like evade taxes or whatever. It's like, enough is never enough. And I used to feel the same way. I was like, yeah, look at these greedy people. But what I've realized from just the experience of running this ultra marathon is that the reason that enough is never enough for me is not that I'm obsessed with the money. It's that I'm so obsessed with success and actually wanting to continue to flex that muscle and wanting to get stronger and stronger and realizing that the minute that I take my foot off the gas, I lose momentum, you know? And that's like, I think what happens with a lot of these businessmen is like, they're just in this mindset where it's a game and they just don't wanna lose the game. Because there's all of these people that are playing the game with you. And depending on your mindset, you know, you might look at these other people as competitors. In my case, I don't look at other people like like they're going to eat my lunch if I, don't, um, if I don't keep going. But I do look at them and I say, like, why would I stop? I'm having such a good time. And I don't want to be weak. I don't want to be soft. I don't want to give up. I don't want to go back to, like, living a mediocre existence and that's what motivates me and so like it's it's crazy you know this is part of my life i've now i've now finished a 77 mile race a marathon and attempted a 100 mile race and done more than like you know you would than than the average person has in that regard but it still feels like you know when i wake up sometimes I still feel like I'm just an average person. Uh, no. I don't want to I don't want to say that. I don't feel like I'm an average person, but I feel like if I don't continue to push forward, I will be doomed to to mediocrity. And it's my mindset that really separates me. It's the reason that I don't feel like I'm an average person. It's just the mindset alone, but <sighs> Yeah. I mean, I guess this is just like at the core of who I am and I think that life is just this really fun game and it gets hard and it gets challenging and we lose people that we love and you know, everyone that we've ever cared about is gonna be gone someday, and then we're gonna be gone. And then our children are gonna be gone and our grandchildren are gonna be gone and our great grandchildren are gonna be gone and then who knows, maybe the earth will be gone. And it's like in the face of all of that, I still find so much meaning in my life and in this in this world that I'm in right now. And I'm just so grateful to be alive and I'm just so grateful to have, you know, if you're listening to this and you've listened this far in, thank you. Thanks for being part of my journey. And I hope that I can be part of yours as well. And together we can do some really incredible uncommon stuff. Yeah. Thank you. That's it. I think for today's podcast, I've said everything I wanted to say. I hope you have a good night or a good morning, good start to the week, whenever you're listening to this. Yeah. All right. It's your boy Macklin. I'm signing off. Peace.